0: As soon as you read or hear the word prophecy, you're immediately thinking about foretelling the future. That's how people associate prophecy with foretelling the future. So I can tell you now, if I asked you how many of you have the gift of prophecy, there are very, very few who are going to stand up. But by the end of this sermon, <laughs> there are going to be more of you than you realize about having that gift of prophecy. So stay tuned. This is probably… One of the most important messages in the whole series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because even the Lord Jesus Himself would not sit at that, because He said only the Father knows that date. And in many ways, in a very, very, very small way, prophecy has to do with telling the future. In fact, the Greek word for prophets is composed of two words, fourth, telling, not for. Telling and the difference is enormous. Foretelling is very different from foretelling. It's very important, so you understand what prophecy is all about and the gift of prophecy that many of you have and do not realize it. Foretelling is merely announcing what God said. Foretelling is merely announcing what you've been told to say. Foretelling is merely repeating what you have heard and what you have read. And this is very different from predicting events in the future. Most of those predictions, you know, they got 50-50 chance, and so they plunge into the unknown. And I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, I always avoid prophesying beforehand because it's much better policy to prophesy after the event has already taken place. (laughs) Smart guy. But the prophets in the Old Testament were God's spokesmen. There were men and women who did not merely foretold the future. As I said, a very small part of it is. But they foretell the message. And when you foretell, you are speaking about the past, you are speaking about the present, and maybe the future. And that is why you find the gift of prophecy is associated with other gifts, and particularly teaching and preaching, but not necessarily, as I'm going to explain in a minute. Not always associated with preaching and teaching. Now, to be sure, any preacher who's worth the salt, any teacher who's worth the name, must foretell the Word of God. They must foretell, thus says the Lord. And so, what does it mean to be able to say, thus says the Lord, in this time in which we live? Listen carefully. Because all that we need to know is given to us in the Scripture, in the Word of God, and therefore, it is the authoritative Word of God. It is God's self-revelation. It is God's instruction book. It is complete. It is closed. And it is not open for additions or subtractions. And no one can speak today with the same authority as those men and women who were given that authority by the Holy Spirit to write the book of God. Anyone who claims to prophesy anything that is not in the book or inconsistent with the book or contrary to the book, they are not speaking for God. It has to be out of the book of God. Today's prophets, preachers, and teachers have only one source. It's the book of God. Before the book of God was closed, God called prophets and apostles, inspired uniquely by the Holy Spirit to write down those words. And those prophets and apostles did a whole lot more than just foretell the future. They warned. They instructed. They exhorted. They promised. They rebuked. They condemned the practice of dead religion. They stressed righteousness. They warned of the coming judgment. They extended God's gracious invitation for people to repent. And they promised the blessing of God on those who obey Him. And that is why the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians in 2.20, and he said that the church of Jesus Christ has only one foundation. It's built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Any church that has some other foundation is not the church of Jesus Christ. So question number one, how do we exercise the gift of prophecy today? Listen carefully. By bringing the Word of God into a given situation. By applying the Word of God into the current context. By magnifying and explaining the Word of God in every area of life. Did you get that? Every area of life. Because I know there are some people who said, well, we're not going to get involved in this, we're not going to get involved in that. But the Word of God has something to say about every area of life, from national politics to local crisis to education to journalism to family life to even sports and science. The Word of God has something to say. Hear me right on this one. Perhaps there is never a more desperate need to apply the Word of God to family life today as it is today. Because of the incredible bombardments that kids are receiving from the media and the schools and the teachers, from every direction, they are bombarded by this relentless forces of anti-Christian forces. And parents need to exercise the gift. I think every parent ought to exercise the gift of prophecy. And when you exercise the gift of prophecy, it is not, kid, do this because I said so. <laughs> but do it because God said so. We must be able to say to our children, because God said it, therefore it's truth. We must lovingly explain to them that if they choose to go against what God said, <laughs> they should be prepared for the severe consequences. Question number two, what is the result of exercising The gift of prophecy. To put it in the words of John Stott, when that gift is exercised, then the disturbed is going to be comforted, and the comfortable are going to get disturbed. (laughs) Listen, the gift of prophecy is so high on Paul's priority list that he lists it both in the Ephesians passage and in the 1 Corinthians 12 passage. In fact, Paul calls the gift of prophecy the superior gift. Isn't that amazing? Of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he calls that the superior gift. When the Corinthians were despising the gift of prophecy and flocking into the flamboyant gift of tongues... Paul spends the entire chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians in order to provide them with the understanding that the gift of tongues is the least of all gifts, but the gift of prophecy is superior. Certainly the gift of tongues is inferior to the gift of prophecy. Please, 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 if you have never done this, go home and sit down in a quiet place and read 1 Corinthians 14. If you want to start with 13, everybody knows 13 because they read it at weddings, (laughs) That's fine, because he builds up to 14, and there he gives you a clear understanding of the spiritual gift of prophecy. I have a number of non-Christian friends, and I love them dearly. But the one thing I am noticing that they're asking questions these days. I mean, we live in times of upheaval, global catastrophes, and many people are looking for answers, and they're really asking the question. Why there are so many earthquakes and natural disasters in rapid succession in our world today? Why is there so much turmoil throughout the world today? Why are we facing a possible economic meltdown today? Why? Why is there a rise and increase in terrorism and terroristic activities? People are asking questions, and you and I who have the Word of God have a word to say to them without having to set up a date. We have a word to say to them. In fact, as you exercise prophecy with your friends, with your neighbors, with co-workers, you find that part of the answer is in Matthew 24, 8. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole chapter he talks about the time of his return. The the whole chapter 24, he talks about the signs of the end of times. But in verse 8 particularly, he says, here's what I'm quoting, All these, and he's talking about all the natural disasters and all the things that are going to be taking place. He said, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Everybody knows that labor pains do not occur at conception or even throughout the pregnancy. They happen just before the birth. Labor pains do not begin until shortly before delivery time. When a woman is in labor and about to deliver a baby, at first those labor pains, they come in long intervals. Maybe every hour. Forty minutes. And then thirty minutes. And then five minutes. Three minutes. Two minutes. And by that time, if you're not in the hospital, man, you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And as these labor pains intensify, we know that the baby is about to be delivered. In exercising prophetic gifts of today, this day after the canon is closed, the Bible is closed, when you're exercising prophecy with your neighbors, your friends, and your co-workers, with people who are asking questions and trying to make sense of world events, events such as unprecedented floods in Australia. I mean, since they kept records, there's nothing like that. Earthquakes in New Zealand and Indonesia and Haiti, and they're all happening with such rapid successions. Unprecedented turmoil. As you see, the whole world seems to be tightening the noose around Israel. And you see the turmoil and the terrorist activities are on increase. All of these have happened in the past, possibly, most of them anyway, but now they are happening in shorter intervals. Now they are happening in rapid succession. Now they are happening within shorter period of time. And so the Lord Jesus is saying, when you see these things, be ready. And so you can show your friend, and you can show your neighbors, and you can tell them what the Lord said here, that just prior to the end times, these things are going to happen in an increased succession. uh, That Christ's return is imminent, that the judgment is around the corner. And therefore, come to Him. Believe in Him. Respond to His invitation, His loving invitation. And come while you get a chance. Come while there is time. I know most Christians are afraid of the book of Revelation. But really, if I summarize the book for you this way, it's basically what Jesus said in Matthew 24.8. You're going to find there that the sealed judgment... Unfolds over a longer period of time, years. Then the trumpet judgment comes in much shorter intervals, possibly months. Then the ball judgment is a period of perhaps uh, days or hours. And the whole point that Jesus makes in trying to make us aware of the nearness of His return in Matthew 24, He is saying, when you see the first labor pain, and that first labor pain is going to be deception in the church. And my goodness, if there's ever a time in which the deception is rampant in the so-called the church of Jesus Christ, it is today. And He's saying, when you see this widespread deception in the church, be sure you don't get deceived. Listen to me. The gift of prophecy is not reserved just for the big names in the church. A lot of people think that. If somebody calls themselves a prophet, they must have the gift of prophecy. Most of them don't. (laughs) You see, the gift of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to explain to you in a minute, I'm going to show you, is given in the body of Christ, to the body of Christ. The gift of prophecy is not something that is reserved for the Martin Luthers and the John Calvins and the John Wesleys of this world alone. No, the gift of prophecy is given to so many people in the body, whether they know it or not. It is given to so many people in the church, whether they comprehend it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not. The gift of prophecy is not exclusive to preachers and teachers. Now, though some preachers and teachers have the gift of prophecy, but let me tell you something. Today, we have modern-day preachers and teachers are more entertainers and motivational speakers than prophesying. Question number three. How is that gift of prophecy manifested? Listen carefully. The gift of prophecy is manifested when a believer is able to give an insight into the Word of God when a believer can accurately apply the Word of God to a given situation, when a a person can give a word from the Word to someone in need, when a person is able to make the Word of God relevant to a certain situation. In fact, there are varieties of expressions of the gift of prophecy, varieties of it. In fact, I think teaching and preaching may be one of the least of those expressions. It's one of them, but that's about all it is, one. <laughs> teaching children is an expression of the gift of prophecy. Witnessing to somebody is an expression of that gift of prophecy. In fact, this is a gift that the Apostle Paul encourages believers to seek. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to look with me. first. Corinthians 14.1. He just finished the love chapter, of chapter 13, that most people know. And immediately in verse 1 he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire or discover spiritual gifts. Look at the next word. Especially the gift of prophecy. Remember, the gifts are given to us. We didn't have a choice. But he's saying, go after this one. (laughs) Seek it. Especially the gift of prophecy. Even if you don't have the Holy Spirit's gift of prophecy, by virtue of knowing the Word of God, you are able to bring at least in your own life, and the life of your family, an application of that word, which is an expression of the gift of prophecy. Some of you have heard me tell this before, but it's so upon you in my life. And The man who discipled me in my late teens, after I became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the man whom God used to disciple me was illiterate. He could not read. He cried to God and he said, God, I just love to read your word. And you know, he opened the Scripture, and he reads it and comprehends it. You show him the newspaper, the headlines, big letters, he can't make head or tail of it. That's a supernatural gift of God. God really gave him the desire of his heart. And this man really impacted me in a wonderful way. He taught me so many insights from the Word of God. And I've been privileged to sit at the feet of some of the great theologians, some of the godly theologians, some of the great Bible scholars through the years, and I'm grateful to every one of them. But somehow, the insights that this illiterate man taught me stayed with me and impacted me, not just my own walk with the Lord, but my own ministry. So what was he doing as he would spend time with me? He was using an expression of the gift of prophecy according to the measure of faith that God gave him. That's what Paul said here First Corinthians 12. He is using the gift of prophecy with that measure. And I'll give you just an example of something that really impacted me. I remember him saying to me one time, he said, if you ever want to stumble and fall in your Christian walk, keep your eyes On church leaders. He said, sooner or later, they will disappoint you, they will fail you, and they will let you down. He said, you keep your eye on Jesus, and you will never stumble, because He will never let you down. What is this man doing in the life of another? Young man, he did not know what I was going to do for the rest of my life, but he poured himself into me. He has spoken forth the truth, in proportion of faith that God gave him, and that is why prophesying is the accurate interpretation and application of the word of God. That's what it is, and it's not the scary thing. I said, "Well, no, no, I don't have the gift of prophecy because you think that you have to sit there and mm, you know what, uh, what's going to happen." You know, no. One way to know if a person is exercising that gift of prophecy is whether it's edifying to the body. If it's edifying to others. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. The one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. I already told you, in this chapter, he contrasts the gift of prophecy with the gift of tongues. And he end up by saying that the gift of prophecy, like all the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, is given that others may be encouraged. He said, "While well, the gift of tongues, or prayer language, or ecstatic utterance, or whatever the word you use, is for individual use. But the gift of prophecy is forgiven for the blessing of others. Beloved, prophecy accomplishes something spiritual for other believers. Prophecy accomplishes something worthwhile. Prophecy uplifts a believer and sometimes even non-believers. Prophecy sounds the alarm and gives a warning. Hear me right on this one. The gifts are not given to any of us for selfish reasons, or for selfish purposes, for our selfish use. The gifts are given for the benefits of others. And that is why discovering and using your spiritual gift, listen to me, is the most selfless thing that you can do in your Christian walk. 1 Corinthians 12:7. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. And that is why discovering and using your spiritual gift is a selfless act. I want to tell you this as I conclude. One of the finest collections of rare and valuable violins belonged to a retired farmer in a small prairie town in Saskatchewan, among the 25 violins, there are some that are made by very well-known people. they famous people like uh, Stradivara. But they're there, all of them, in his house. Rare, valuable violins. He collected them as a hobby, and they're seldom used. Seldom, if any, time, used. And I want you to just try to imagine, just imagine what these 25 beautiful, rare, valuable violins would sound like. Just try to imagine what it would be like for 25 gifted people, musicians, to use these wonderful instruments. Think of the beautiful melody. Think of the soul-rapturing music. Think of the uplifting symphonies. And I'm sure you say, oh, what a pity. What a pity that they're just kind of in a museum collecting dust. And I happen to agree with you. I think of the churches that have collections of gifted people who are sitting in the pews, never use the gift of the Holy Spirit. Many a church is a museum of collections of gifted Christians, they are there for display not for use. Father, I thank You for the incredible gift of prophecy that Your servant Paul tells us to seek and exercise, and I thank You for those who have recognized that this is what You called them to do. And Lord God, I pray today that You will not only renew the call of you'll call upon these precious brothers and sisters, but that you will breathe in them Holy Spirit afresh, that they will be able to use it with your power, not theirs. And Father, I thank you. You are a great and mighty God. You are a gracious God. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to use us, that we will bring glory to your name, for that is the desire of our hearts till the day we see you face to face. Amen.